The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Please welcome your CEO coach. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show custom built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. From funding to finances, set up to staffing, the CEO coach will break down the art of business development from the ground up by one of the experts of online business growth, management, and development. Now, here to get you started is your CEO coach, Jillian Musick. And welcome this fine Monday morning. I'm coming to you live from Seattle, Washington with John Meyer. He's a United States attorney at law. He's a sole practitioner, so he's walked our talk in small business. His specialty is securities law, and we are talking today about the most important thing to any startup, funding. We're talking about the JOBS Act, the impact on startup investments, and we're going to start with this concept of crowdfunding. Welcome, John. Hi, Jillian. It's great to be here. Thanks for coming by. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts around crowdfunding to begin with. Um, Obviously, that's the exciting thing about the JOBS Act, that we get to have lots of people fund us. But what does it all mean? How do we leverage it? And how do we stay on this side of the law? Well, it's a great question, Jillian. And I'd like to say that um, I'm going to have some good news later. So if I start with the bad news, it's only because Jillian asked me this question first. Okay. (laughs) So crowdfunding, I'm afraid, um, is something we do not have. We have an act called the Capital Raising Online While Deterring Fraud and Unethical Nondisclosure Act, which is the, uh, if you take the first letters, you get crowdfund. And it ostensibly um, was passed by Congress and signed by the president to respond to the request of the startup community so that we could have crowdfunding but it is clearly in its design written in a way to deter us from using it. And uh, it's a political solution, I'm afraid. Um, I'll, get, I'll explain why in a second, but first of all, for everybody listening, we don't even have that yet because until the SEC writes a rule that implements the basic provisions, it is not legal to crowdfund. My goodness. And when do we expect them to write those? Well, the SEC is playing a game right now with Congress, and the game is that Congress tells them when they want rules to be written and to be in effect, and the SEC says, if you gave us more funding, we could actually meet those deadlines, and to prove that, that he can't meet the deadlines, they miss them all. So, in theory, we should have a rule uh, sometime in the fall, but in practice, we don't expect to see any rulemaking on crowdfunding until well into 2013. Okay, so that's very disappointing. So the first thing, of course, we all wanted to do was go out and create startups and use crowdfunding because it's so advantageous. Well, Everybody can put down five or ten bucks. And we do have some kind of crowdfunding, but not necessarily crowdfund raising, right? We have Kickstarter out there. Right. If you have kind of a nonprofit idea or even a for-profit idea, people are not investing in your company, but they're saying, sure, I'll donate 10 bucks. I'll sure. donate 5 bucks. That's different. That's absolutely different because we're talking about securities and funding, and a security is when 
an investor puts money into a company with an expectation of earning or sharing in the profits of the company without any efforts on the part of the investor. In other words, you put money into a company and you own a share of the profit stream of the company via security. It's only as to securities that crowdfunding uh, is a problem. Kickstarter and other companies of that nature are offering methods for companies to find their clients and to have these customers buy sometimes product in advance and getting a down payment of a, as, a, as a company to get a down payment from one of your clients is a wonderful way to finance your business. Okay, so what you're really saying is you can't raise money in the way we think of as investment, angel investment, even friends or family, or like VC investment, online in huge crowds at this time, correct? Not only okay. am I saying we can't do it at this time, unless we write a different statute, what Congress gave us in the, the Jobs Act won't work. And one of the reasons it won't work is that the idea of crowdfunding was that you were supposed to be able to raise small amounts of money from lots of investors yes. without a lot of red tape. Well, the Crowdfund Act is covered in red tape. It is wrapped up with ribbons and bows of red tape. In fact, <laughs> all you can see is red tape. Just to give you a few, you can't raise money unless you go through a funding portal or a broker registered with the SEC. Oh, so I can't put this out on my website and do it. No. I have to go through something kind of like a Kickstarter that will be developed in the future to do this kind of stuff. Right. Okay. And you can't even advertise that you're looking for investors if you're going to crowdfund. All you can do is direct them to the portal, and the portal will then bury your ad with all the other ads they have, thus diluting your message. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess actually, you know, the, the current Kickstarter and similar types of uh, fundraising sites do a pretty good job of letting you see what's going on. But I can see that it would become expensive because those that want to be at the top will now have to physically pay to get in there. So this is going to be a paid ad option and not really what we would call organic search. Okay. Exactly. Um, furthermore, um, you're going to need a lawyer and you're going to need an accountant to do this kind of a crowdfund offering. You're going to need an accountant because the statute specifically requires you to have um, an accountant because offerings under 100000 will require that you file income tax returns and financial statements that are certified by the principal executive officer. Offerings be over a hundred, but less than five hundred thousand, will require financial statements that are reviewed by an independent public accountant. And offerings over five hundred thousand will require audited financial statements. Um, that is a much higher standard than what you do right now under a Reg D offering. So that mm -hmm. makes crowdfunding, which is supposed to be simpler than Reg D, much more complicated. In some ways, I do understand why we would want to put that into place. If we get rid of our current funding processes, we're rewriting 75 years worth of, if you will, protection for investors and so on. I mean, the idea was you didn't want people betting their rent money on a company that might or might not exist and snake oil salesmen would be out there. And I can see the issues involved and why one would want to regulate it. But the ramifications are 
it is much more difficult to raise money that way than we had hoped. And in protecting ourselves, we also run into all of this trouble. So, Absolutely. Okay. From a policy perspective, it is important to protect investors. Mm-hmm. But what we're talking about today is what are companies supposed to do in an environment where banks won't lend to them, mm-hmm. um, where they are dependent on equity capital. And the point of the act was to give people an easy way to start up a company. And Congress did not do that. Okay, so we're going to take a break here at CEO Coach. I am fully depressed as a startup and serial entrepreneur. Um, When we come back, tell me you've got good news for us. I will. All right, here's a break at CEO Coach. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. More on how to build your business on the web with the CEO Coach right after this. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. How much time do you spend on SEO research and competitor analysis? What if we told you that there was an easier, faster way? Searchmetrics SEO software propels you to top positions on search engines around the world with our unique global search, social, and competitive data in over 60 countries. Gain a competitive advantage today with Searchmetrics.com. That's Searchmetrics.com. Join the thousands of search and social media marketers at one of the largest events of the year, SES San Francisco 2012, August 13th through the 17th. Learn more at sesconference.com. SES San Francisco 2012 kicks off three days of sessions with a keynote presentation by Google digital marketing evangelist Avinash Kaushik speaking about business optimization in a digital age. Check out daily Meet the Expert roundtables where you can take part in intimate and informative discussions with industry icons. Add over 70 sessions, a crowded expo floor, on-site training at the ClickZ Academy, the big search engine watch eliminator, goodbye, and webmasterradio.fm search bash, and you'll have SES San Francisco 2012, August 13th through the 17th. Register for SES San Francisco 2012 today by clicking on the banner ads from the webmasterradio.fm website or go now to sesconference.com. Webmasterradio.fm. Keep your headphones handy and the feed loaded. We never stop. Do you? We're back with Jelly and Music, the CEO coach, only on Webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back. I'm talking with John Meyer, an attorney from the city of Seattle. He's a securities law professional, and he's here to talk about the JOBS Act, its effect on startups and on funding. So welcome back, John. You promised us good news in this uh, third. Absolutely, Jillian. No more of the down round news. All right. (laughs) So the good news is that we've had for a long time, since the early 80s, in fact, an exemption um, under federal law 
called Rule 506, and that rule is part of Regulation D under the Securities Act. And the nice thing about Rule 506 has always been that it sorts things out very nicely because it preempts state regulation. In other words, if you meet the federal rule, you're fine. You don't have to worry about meeting federal rules and state rules, which can be a nightmare in lots of areas of regulation. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, what makes Rule 506 so powerful is that the rule allows an issuer to raise an unlimited amount from accredited investors. Mm-hmm. Now, it goes further to say that if you only use accredited investors under Rule 502, which is part of Regulation D, that there is no specific form of disclosure required, which means that you can do a nice job sharing the responsibilities of communicating what your company does between you and the lawyer. In other words, you don't need a lawyer to spend the time to write an offering memorandum. You can use a slide deck as an issuer that you've written that describes the company, and then the lawyer can add disclosure around that on legal risks and some of the other issues. And therefore, you can do an offering under Rule 506 to all accredited investors rather efficiently. So That's, what you're telling me is this this crowdfunding isn't necessarily dead in the water, what, but you would need to use accredited investors, and does that change from state to state, or is that pretty much nationwide there? No, that's nationwide, and this okay. has been the law. What I just described has been the law since 1982 or 83. Okay. I'm now going to get to why this is so powerful. But first, so you understand, Rule 506 is used to do all sorts of um, equity investments in the U.S. All the angel deals are done that way. Um, hedge fund money is raised under that rule. Um, um, private equity investments are done that way. Venture capitalists organize their funds around it. It is really the king of private placement exemptions under the securities law. Okay. Okay. The, what has changed under the Jobs Act is the nightmare that people have had to, net, to date which is how do you find your investors? Because you are not allowed in a private placement to advertise, or at least you haven't been. Right. Okay, so to date, when you needed to find an investor, you needed to know somebody, or in the words of the Securities and Exchange Commission, you needed to have a substantive pre-existing relationship with the investor, which meant that you couldn't talk to anybody that you knew about an investment until you knew them for a period of time. There are no action letters out there that give us an idea that that's around 45 days, but that makes it impossible for you in a money-raising situation to meet someone and then immediately include them in a private placement because that's kind of public. You just met them. Private means you already know them. That has been the problem, and there, there is where the JOBS Act has given us a big gift. And that gift is that the JOBS Act says that if you raise money from only accredited investors under Rule 506, you will be allowed to solicit 
investors and you will be allowed to advertise. Not going through a portal, not depending on anybody else, on anybody else, but you yourself as the company will be able to advertise for investors. So we could actually potentially see ads on Google, retargeting ads, things like that. Um, advertisements on, I don't know, HuffPost.com and, and Forbes and all of that kind of thing, we could actually see either banner ads or you know, text ads and so on that say, I'm raising funds, you know, check this out. That's right. Wow. Okay. But, that's interesting. But we don't know exactly how that's going to look yet because we're waiting for a rule again. So again, Congress told the SEC, we need a rule. And the rule is supposed to um, raise the, you know, uh, eliminate the prohibition against general solicitation and advertising that's found in Rule 502C mm-hmm. for these 506 offerings to 100% accredited investors. And they're supposed to do it 90 days after the rule is supposed to be here. And in effect, 90 days after the act was signed, which would be July 4th, which is coming in a week or so. But as I said earlier, they're uh, going the SEC, to miss the deadline. Miss the deadline. <laughs> and since there's no draft rule out for comment, we know they're going to miss this deadline. All right. So we all have to be patient again through the summer. But again, just to wrap that up in our minds here, the big gift is that we will now be able to advertise on our own that we're raising money. We can speak about it. We can do print ads. We can do online ads. We can do it on our own websites. We don't have to go through all the portal stuff. The restriction is we must only do this to accredited investors. Now, others will read it, but we may not accept funds from uh, anyone but accredited investors. That is correct. And that is a reasonable, I think, uh, restriction, actually. I I don't like the idea that people who can't afford it and don't know enough about investment and its risks would be putting their money where it doesn't belong. That is a public policy decision that seems to underlie this uh, framework. And um, it is a a sensible solution in many ways. Mm -hmm. It is is will change the entire fabric of what we call public versus private inequity raising in the U.S. And we lawyers are going to have some very exciting times, as will our clients, as we try to sort through which of the pieces of our institutional framework will survive and which of them will need to be changed. But that's obviously a topic for another day. That makes good sense. So that's a gift we got. Um, what else do we need to know about well, There is one Jobs more Act. gift. Okay, well, there, I'm waiting. <laughs> there are other gifts in the Jobs Act. Um, Give me the big one. <laughs> um, related to public companies and how public companies are going to get some relief from some of the requirements of Sarbanes-Oxley. We're calling it the IPO on-ramp, but we'll talk about that perhaps some other day. Okay. The, the other big gift is what, when I said earlier that you could raise money from an unlimited amount of accredited investor, uh, an unlimited amount of money from accredited investors. Mm-hmm. I didn't say an unlimited number of accredited investors. Yes, that's and right. That's, Where are we capped? We're capped because to, right now, or until the Jobs Act was passed, once you had 500 shareholders, you were required to become a public company. And a public company is one that has to report publicly and has to disclose information and that is expensive and onerous. So you don't want to become a public company, 
um, until you want to be one, just like Facebook didn't want to become public until they were ready to become public. And so, therefore, that number raised from 500 to 2,000, although you can have only 500 unaccredited investors um, in that number. But that means that for an accredited-only offering, you now can have 2,000 people before you become public versus 500. And that's the second big gift of the JOBS Act. That's huge because it means you can raise a smaller sum from each. Now, we'll be right back here at CEO Coach. Stay tuned. More on how to build your business on the web with the CEO Coach right after this. Rise links and web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. Majestic SEO wields its virtual sort with speed and accuracy to deliver detailed reports of your company's link data and that of your competition. Let Majestic SEO make you your own king of internet marketers and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic wield its mighty sword. MajesticSEO.com It's good to be king. How far do your ads reach? You don't have to fly around the world for the right consumers and clients to find your business. What you need is profit through performance. Location 3 Media helps you to increase your brand's findability and performance. Let Location 3 Media help you create efficient and effective online marketing campaigns that fit your needs and get you results. We know every click starts a journey. Where will your brand be on the path? Visit Location3Media.com. Let's go inside the WebmasterRadio.fm production studio, where the production team is stitching up podcasts to load up into the WebmasterRadio.fm Stitcher channel. Rock on, Laurie, and rock the world with LinkedIn. Welcome to Domain Masters, a show where you learn to be the master of your domain. Yeah, I want to welcome you to this edition of the SEO Rockstars. Hi, this is Bennett Kelly, and you're listening to the Cyber Law and Business Report. And welcome to CEO Coach. Listen to all of your favorite WebmasterRadio.fm podcasts without downloading. Only on the WebmasterRadio.fm Stitcher channel. Just click on the Stitcher banner on our website. Podcasting at the speed of sound. WebmasterRadio.fm. The flamethrower. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. We're back with Jelly and Music, the CEO coach. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Okay, so as we wrap up here today, we've got two more really important things to cover. Um, first of all, there are some disclosure requirements, right, John? And if you don't speak to an attorney about this, you could really run afoul of the law. In a one sentence, what's that all about? That is about the fact that you need to disclose everything that's material when you sell stock to an investor. That is... If there's something out there that you really would prefer that the investor does not know, you have to tell them that. It's a little like selling your house and not telling them about you know, the rat infestation or whatever, the termites. So, John, what happens if you don't? Well, that gives the investor a cause of action, not only against your company, but against you as the owner of the company. And there's right. where the risks are. Right. That breaks the corporate veil and goes right to you. So this is crucially important. We don't have an hour to discuss this. So I suggest you read John's blog. It's www.meyer.com 
corplaw.com. That's Amazon Mother, Y E R C O R P as in Peter, Law, L A W, dot com. Click on the blog and read the full post that tells you about the disclosures, what you would need to see, uh, understand, what about this material disclosures, all of those kinds of things, and keep yourself safe. Bottom line, do check with an attorney before you do this. John, you've got one more good piece of news. Let's end on a hot note. Sure. So um, up to now, we've seen a lot of activity in, in uh, angel financing where investors are coming into companies and they are playing little mini VC, I like to call it. Mm-hmm. They are getting preferred stock um, with a dividend preference and a liquidation preference um, and uh, as if they were a venture capitalist looking for an exit um, a few years further down the road. And therefore, all the money that they put into the company stays in the company the company, um, and they hope that the company will be bought and that when they, the company is bought that they will either be insured on the downside for their liquidation preference and if they hit a home run, they will um, share um, in the big payout with the founders. Okay. So liquidation preference, folks, means that they get paid before you do. Um, and that's, that's an important issue, right? If, if the thing gets sold for a sum of money, but not everybody is going to get money out, they get it first. Sometimes it's 1x, which means one times what they put in. Sometimes it's even more, 2 or 3x. So that's an important issue. So what's the exciting piece here in how one can fund or what you're seeing as a trend? Well, what I'm seeing as a trend is that a lot of companies are deciding that they don't want to play this game anymore. Sounds they're, good to me. They don't. Um, if, if they get to a VC round, they're perfectly happy to have the VCs get preferred stock. That's a significant sum of money, and you're going in for kind of all out. I, I think that's okay. But they're saying, well, maybe I can stay independent for longer and build up value before – I have to have a VC round, and I ought to have a form of angel financing that is completely self-contained and does not require an exit. Mm -hmm. And what we're finding here is that more and more savvy investors are using revenue-based financing. Okay, we got three minutes. What's revenue-based financing? Revenue-based financing is a kind of note that pays an investor a share of revenue based on a formula, say 4%, 5% of revenue, whatever is agreed on, until the investor reaches a cap. And that cap might be oh, uh, as much as four times what the investor put in. So you're not going to hit a 10x if you've got a 4x cap, but since you're sharing in the top line and the company is trying to grow revenue and is designed to grow revenue, you have a much greater chance of, of doing well on your investment. So lower risk, lower return, the trade-off can be very attractive. I can understand that from both sides of the table, and I think it's one of the most brilliant pieces uh, for lower cap funding, if you will, um, a smaller volume. When you need to get 10 and 15 and 20 million, you head down to the VCs. If all you need is half a million or less even, that makes really good sense. Right. Okay, so as we wrap up here, John, how do people reach you? Um, we, again, talked about your blog, again, MeyerCorpLaw.com, and that's M as in mother, Y-E-R. There's not two E's in that word. MeyerCorpLaw.com. Click on the blog there. How else can they reach you if they actually want to talk to you about business here? Um, I have a phone number, but rather than giving it to you, go to my website, go to the <laughs> contact page. 
click on my V card, load it down into your Outlook, and you'll have my contact information in perpetuity. In perpetuity. And your email address is? It's John at, so J-O-H-N at MeyerCorpLaw.com. Excellent. Thank you, John. You can download these shows through iTunes or through webmasterradio.fm. Spread the word. This is one of the hottest shows we've had. Till next week, this is Jillian Musig at CEO Coach. Thank you.